Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, this is IB2E, Internet Business to Entrepreneur Radio, broadcasting from downtown Richmond, United States of America, Romeo Time Zone. Thanks for listening and downloading our shows. Our mission is to show you how to thrive, not just survive regardless of the economy. A uh, quick note before we start today's programming, and as those of you who tried to sign on at 6 this morning, uh, Romeo time here at East Coast, I apologize, we had some server issues, and our servers weren't talking to Blog Talk Radio servers, and obviously we have that problem repaired. Uh, so also, as a, as a note, and I'm going to get at this uh, about midway through the show, is that uh, we're very close to launching our own radio network um, offering a full day, seven days a week of programming here on Blog Talk Radio. So look forward to that as we have uh, joined our partnership with the National Association of Management Consultants, Naomic, and uh, we're going to be offering our services to our colleagues out there who are specifically in the consulting training and coaching industries. However, most of the programming here on um, our part of Blog Talk Radio from Applied Knowledge Labs is going to uh, remain focused on the business owner and entrepreneur. Okay, so let's get at it. All of our programming, everything that we do is based upon over seven years of research and application uh, of our library of best practices. Uh, we collectively as an organization have over 100 years of consulting experience, but the last decade has been dedicated to fast growth of small businesses. Um, uh, that database around here is known as uh, Lucius. And uh, yes, if you are Star Trek fans, you know that name. You got it right. That is the board name for Jean-Luc Picard uh, when Captain Picard was captured by the Borg. And as you recall, the, the infamous Borg line, resistance is futile. Futile. You will be assimilated. And uh, that's exactly what we're about. Our library or database is we are going around the universe collecting all of the relevant information on fast business growth so that you can get it. Now, today's show, today's show number is 103-0889. Okay, that's 103-0889 in case you want to request it. And it's number five, series, <coughs> excuse me, number five in a series of uh, 12 shows around productive capacity. Specifically today is buying the right stuff. Um, looking for kind of an easy way of describing um, one of the best practices, and that is how do people make decisions about what production of equipment, what production equipment they buy and they place into the business. 
Okay? But before we do that, let me say this to you. If you want to join the conversation, here are some options. One is you can go to our show page at blogtalkradio.com slash IB2E radio and click chat now. And um, right now we have our staff monitoring that so you can reach me. That's the first option. Second option is that you can hit me up by dialing in directly at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. And the last option is to use Twitter. And you can tweet me. Um, you can reach me directly My last uh, using my name, and that's W. Eastman. And if you hit me up, we also have uh, that open. So it gives you many, many, many options to join the dialogue around the show. So now let me do a little overview of the subject. I said this is 5 of 12. Well, what we're doing is we're taking the category set of best practices around productive capacity. Uh, you know, a different way of saying it is you could say systems and processes, or you could just say operations. How do you, once you've made a decision about what you're going to sell to whom, and you did your pricing, how do we do that? How do we, how do we make sure that we produce what it is that we said we we're going to do, and in not only what we produce, but how we produce it, how do we make ourselves distinctive in the market? And a theme that is constantly reoccurring in just about every one of my broadcasts has been this issue of your goal is to become the lowest cost producer. Now, I didn't say that your goal is to be the cheapest. That is a separate branding decision, and in the branding section, we covered that. What I am saying, however, is that what you want, the position that you want to occupy in the market, is given all your competitors. And if you're a small business and competing just locally, then that just means locally. But you want to be able to do this, whatever it is that you produce, whether it's a production of a thing, so you're more into the manufacturing side, or it is a delivery of a service, which then says basically um, you're in the execution of something. You want to make sure that you can do that at a minimum at the same level quality as everybody else at a lower price. Personally, I think what you ought to be shooting for is a little higher level of quality, enough that it's perceptible to the customer at a lower cost. Well, how do you get that done? Well, that's the whole topic of, the, of this series of 12. There are 11 best practices in here, and the number 12 one was the kind of the overview. So today what we're going to be talking about is what we call uh, production equipment or uh, buying the right stuff, okay? So the topic is going to be what to buy, how to buy, when to buy. And so to me, we've got a couple considerations here. We've got, uh, we've got the specifications, we've got life cycle, and we've got environmental impact or green issues. Uh, but I'm going to take each one of those orders. Uh, so what, what is the exact definition of what we're talking about here? Well, here's what it is. is the goal is to obtain reliable and robust applications. Reliable and robust, which means machinery, computers, phones, printers, etc., 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 all of the equipment that you need to run your business. Some of that equipment is hardware. Some of that equipment is software. That, one, either will help you generate revenue or, two, reduce costs. And so give you some, some ideas around this is that uh, why are we an open source uh, business? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. Part of that has to do with our business design. Some of that has to do with how we actually built the library of best practices. But fundamentally, when it comes to production equipment, 
we are open source Linux operation for this reason. We have a number of people, a number of locations, quite a few computers, both desktops and laptops. And if we were to go with either Microsoft or Apple, which are good companies, and we are not Linux because we're opposed to them. We're Linux for a couple other different reasons. But the reason that we've gone with Linux equipment is I don't have to pay a license for anything. And I know a lot of companies either pay fairly high license fees to where you're into, on average, 300 to 400 a box of software, plus the cost of the hardware, or for the people who are not kind of paying that, then you bought it once and you're seeing how many uses you can get out of it. The bottom line is I don't have any of that cost. Uh, we, we run both Ubuntu and SUSE, and uh, we're just about to boot up a, a, a Fedora system. And what we do is we constantly test those, but it's as robust as anything produced by Microsoft with Windows, and look at the cost. And it gives us a quite a competitive advantage when we add personnel or open up a city. And so that's what I mean by taking a look at how is it either generate revenue or reduce cost. And so somebody that we competed with who had 10 computers, at an average license of $350, I just saved 3500 bucks, And that's what we're talking about here. But let's take it one step at a time. Let's take the why. And what I want to do here is I want to hit on what I consider to be the most important one, and that is the issue of life cycle cost. And there are two comparisons that I think you need to make. Number one is price versus quality, and the other one is price versus features. And what do I mean by price versus quality? Well, I think the, the concept that you have to have is you have to say to yourself, okay, it's just not a matter of going down to a Best Buy or getting online to Tiger Direct or wherever you purchase or, or buying from Staples or Office Max or Office Depot. And I'm not plugging anybody. It's just a matter of if it's more than that is what does it take to locate it? What does it take to purchase it or, or to make the decisions around what to purchase? To purchase it. What does it take to get it? Then once I get it, what do I have it for setup cost, um, setup time? What type of warranty does it have? What is its expected lifespan? Um, when I'm done, will they take it back or do I have to recycle it? Um, does that present kind of some unique challenges such as using old cathode, cathode, cathode ray tubes in uh, TV sets and the old computers you just couldn't throw the monitor away? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the entire perspective here. Now, obviously, the specifications of what I need in that particular piece of equipment is the most important issue, but I want to evaluate it against a number of other factors. Sometimes your initial choice is going to be the same choice you, you're going to make long term. Other times you find yourself going, gee, that's curious. This other product I wouldn't have purchased actually is a better choice, such as if you do this for software, I don't, I don't see how you don't, uh, you don't um, put your organization on some sort of Linux platform. So here are things to consider, all right? Why well, would look at quality issues? You look at consumer reports, um, not necessarily the organization called consumer reports, but consumer reports out there. And all you have to do is Google it and say 10 best and put it, whatever it is you're searching for. And there's probably four or five organizations, uh, trade associations, professional organizations, consumer groups who have evaluated those. I want to take a look at those. I want to kind of consider what the comments are because I might want to add that to my math in terms of what features I look at. Uh, of, consider, of, of, of a specific concern is the issue around warranty. And so the second thing I want to look at is 
what what type of warranty comes with the equipment? Um, is it a full warranty? Is it limited? Do I have to pay for it? Is it for free? What's its duration? How does it cover? How do I get serviced? And I want to take a look at that because one of the issues I'm going to raise later is that you really want to go local as opposed to buying in uh, 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 buying it online uh, if it's going to require any type of equipment now, of servicing. Uh, if you're going to buy uh, consumables, nothing wrong with buying them online and have them delivered to your office. be pretty easy. But if you're going to buy a piece of equipment that's core to the business and it might need to be serviced or maintenanced, um, my recommendation is uh, make a local decision and pay a couple dollars more because of that. Those are the type of factors that, that we talk about. So the warranty, I want to take a look at um, what's, the, what's the time frame on the warranty and what type of coverage do you want to get. And what is the expected life around this piece of equipment? Uh, because I get, I, what you typically find, it's not always a direct relationship, but a lot of times is the cheapest thing lasts the least amount of time. And so if you look at the life cycle of it, um, if you bought the more expensive one for every two that you would buy there, the cheap one, you'd have to buy three. And when you look at the cost of two versus the cost of the three, the more expensive one isn't. And so I think what you, what you begin to see is that it, you don't necessarily buy on price, you buy on a combination of features because if this is core running the business, quality is more important than any other single factor. Now, you don't want to pay a penny more for that quality than you have to, but it's about quality. So what I do is I, I do two things here. I look at the time frame of the warranty over the total price of the product and come up with kind of a ratio so that I can compare all the various products. The second thing I take a do, look at here when I look at price versus quality is I look at the expected lifespan of that piece of equipment over price. And that's the second one I look at. And what that begins to do, and I think what you'll find is that you'll get some, you, you, in your sorts, you'll get some clear keepers and you'll get some clear throwaways and then you'll have a mass kind of in the middle. And so what you're looking for is the ones that clearly jump out. So that's the one on price versus quality. Now let's take a look at price versus features. Okay, list the features that are critical to you. I think most of us that make any type of purchase over a period of time, we sit down and say, okay, I need the following things. Make the, list those features and put them in priority order. You know, which one of these is absolutely essential that you must have down to, yeah, I, I, if I get it, that's fine. And I would use some numeric value. I typically use 3213 for critical uh, and one for not critical, and then two for anything that uh, is in between that, just to kind of evaluate uh, each one of those options. Then what I want to do is I want to, for each product, I want to evaluate them on that criteria and then basically look at the weight factor by price. Just divide them. I mean, it's simple math. And what will happen is I'll have those two factors. And so what happens now is, is, is interesting is that I will have a, a warranty by price Okay, I'll have a expected life by price, and then I'll have a weight factor of the features critical to me by price. And I think right now your choices are going to be down to just a couple. Now, let's let me bring in a, a third issue here: is that on the green issues, and uh, I'll say this as a caveat: uh, I have a I have a background in environmental environmental engineering, and uh, however, I find a lot of the green stuff is kind of more pop psychology than than anything real because it's it's a lot more about political science rather than real science. However, in this particular case, I think it's critical because I think I want to look at a couple of factors. One is consumables, 
recycling, and transportation. And so if you look at it and, and green issues are important to you, you want to take a look at product design um, if you can find this out. Now, some of these factors are, are not easy to determine, but product design, did they design it with this kind of low impact, low footprint as, as a design methodology? Number two, I want to take a look at the raw materials that have been used to put into that. And so if you're really opposed to the use of some materials, are they going to, do they go into the basic construction? Again, pretty difficult to take a look at. Number three, I want to take a look at the manufacturing and how they're made and where they're made. Um, that may be critical to you or not. This one you probably have a little bit more success finding out. Uh, the ones that I pay attention to here is number four is transport. How far does it have to come to come to me? So, for example, something that's built in the United States that's transported, say, 100 miles uh, versus something that's made in China that's transported 5,000 miles. Uh, when you look at the energy costs in, in, involved in both of those, my inclination is to buy the one that's closer. And I think that though most of us know that buying local actually is a, a pretty good decision. Um, then I want to take a look at uh, how I use it, and we've already talked about those factors. And then the last one I consider to be critical is the issue of disposal. Okay, when it's done, um, what do I do with it once it's done? Do I, am I stuck with it? Will they take it back? Is it recyclable? And so I want to add those factors in as well. And I, my guess is, is that these will probably make the decision about which ones make on my very short list. Now, the issue of how, even though I'm not, uh, even though this is not about financial management, the money is always the case here because we're talking about buying stuff. So I think one of the questions is buyer lease. And you know, now some things like um, uh, like printers. Uh, I mean, you basically you're going to buy a printer because of the price on them. Unless they're very, very, you need a high-end uh, printer. The price on printers, you know, you can get something pretty decent for under fifty bucks and probably under a hundred. Uh, but on anything that costs some dollars you want to say to yourself, buying it is not the automatic solution. And here's something I learned when I started my first company about 23 years ago, and that was you never spend money, cash, to buy unless what you purchase appreciates in value and or generates cash. If it doesn't do either of those, then if lease is an option, it may be the better choice because then what I can do is I can I, I pay a lesser amount for it than I would if I purchased it. At the end of the lease period, I am done with it and I can give it back. So, for example, if you were if you were going to outfit your office with a series of computers, um, I would heartily recommend you look at a lease option as opposed to a buy option. Because I really believe computers, number one, do not appreciate in value. They depreciate in value. And though they help you become more productive and they probably cut costs, it's very, very difficult to make the case that you are going to be able to um, generate revenue off of those computers. Now, I'm not going to say that it's not impossible, because I'm sure it certainly is possible to do that. But I think you get the, the gist of where I'm going with this. And so if you have a, an option to lease, and what you need neither, neither generates income or appreciates in value, uh, I think you really got to consider uh, doing something else. And that is, at least, for example, automobiles. I don't think it makes any sense 
uh, for a company to buy a car unless there's an incredible tax incentive like some of us did have several years ago, and that's why um, there was such a um, there was such a large number of uh, SUVs, very large ones on the road because of the government subsidies. Okay, so then the issue then is, okay, whether it's buy or lease, that decision, do you do it locally or do you do it globally? And I, I'm, I think the issues you've got to take into account here are, for example, um, is that um, can you get immediate service so you have to ship it back? I mean, a lot of places you go, especially if you buy it online and it breaks, what do they tell you? You put it, you, you know, save the box, put it back in the box, and send it back. Well, if this is critical to production of your firm, like computers are to us, uh, I, I can't do that. I mean, so what do I do in the, in the interim? And so that means that whether I buy or lease that computer, I probably need to go down to somebody local because I know that I can get immediate service on that if I need it. Uh, the second thing you do here is you, you get, we, and we talked about it briefly, you get the elimination of the transportation cost. And so uh, I can take that out of it. And then the other part of this is what is their return or buyback, buyback policy? And I, when, I, when I have equipment that I'm purchasing, one of the things I ask is, okay, when I'm done with this, what do I do? So, for example, if you were going to take a look at buying or leasing a phone, and I'm not sure which we do here. I think probably if you buy an, uh, buy an iPhone, you really have bought it, as opposed to if I go to Sprint Horizon or some of the others, um, you know, they, they give you a phone for 10 bucks that costs $200. I think you're really leasing it. That's a better plan, and because when I'm done with it, I can give it back to them. But I want to know what is, what is the issue here um, in terms of when I'm done with this, will you take it back? Will you dispose of it responsibly rather than taking, having I take the burden of that? Because that does ask a lot of cost and time. Okay. Then the last one is on uh, when to do it. Okay. And so the issue then becomes is when when do I engage in that behavior? Well, I, to me, I look at you know obviously you have a budget cycle, uh, you have uh, plans in terms of uh, growth plans of when we're going to grow the company. But I think the the factors that I take a look at is one is when is the when is the warranty period out? Uh, because more than likely is that it is, if it has a warranty on it, especially if it has a free warranty, you can almost guarantee that it's going to work for that period of time. So once it goes out of warranty, might be a time to recycle it, uh, to replace it, excuse me. Um, if I have a service contract, maybe at the end of the service contract, because if I lease something, um, you know, the lease may have a duration on the lease that is a service contract, but if I buy it, I might buy a service contract to go with the purchase. And then when that's out, um, then I might want to consider doing that. And also, if I know what the expected life cycle is on this because I did my research up front, then what I, what I want to do is I want to say, okay, probably have, perhaps it's time to go. And so those are the issues about when. So what we did is we basically, we talked about the, the making the decisions on equipment. And the reason I didn't get into the details of the computers or the phones or the machinery is that we're handling that in all the other sections. This has to do with are you making really good, credible decisions about what you're putting into place? One, you do it. Because some businesses try to scrimp on this. You can't. And then two, if you are buying or leasing this gear, what's the process that you're using to make sure that you get the best thing, you get the best thing available for the least amount of money? And so let me summarize, is that you buy on quality first. Quality is the essential issue. That's always your first sort. Your second sort is on price. Your third sort 
is on impact, especially if you're concerned about environmental footprint. I think you can get something that is green or environmentally sound, that is of super high at a competitive price. And I think if you have a process for doing that, I don't think it's difficult to do. Now, as I, I take us through the last, uh, let me see here by my clock, I have about six minutes remaining uh, on uh, today's show. Uh, let me well, let me talk a little bit about, I typically do this in, in the middle, but I want to get through this section here. And that is the, uh, this is kind of our commercial, and that is the, the National Association uh, for Management Consultants. And that I, the reason I want to speak to that is that that's a pretty important, I think, new step in, in, the, in the whole area of, uh, of just not the consulting business, but in the United States economy. I think that most of you out there that are listening to this uh, who have found yourselves um, anywhere from your late 30s but certainly your middle 40s and your career opportunities are becoming much more limited than they were or because of the economy you're no longer employed. Uh, the odds are is that if you're over 40, getting a job in this country is becoming progressively more difficult and might in fact become more and might become impossible. Um, so there's this whole trend that uh, Daniel Pink coined the phrase in uh, the year 2000 when he wrote the book Free Agent Nation, that more and more people in this country are going to be working um, independently. In other words, they're going to make their own jobs. And whether that is you're a lifestyle entrepreneur and you're simply going to make a job for yourself or you're serious and you're going to become a growth entrepreneur or growthpreneur where you're going to build something and grow it, is that more and more of us, that is going to be the future of, of how we make a living. And see, the beauty of uh, the, the National or National Associated Management Consultants or NAOMIC is trying to address is how do we help people make that transmit, transition from one to the other. And so what we can do is we can show you that if you are ready to leave or you have left, you go, look, I've got a, a lot of knowledge and experience that I've built up, and I'd love to hang out a shingle and make my own job, but I don't know how to do that. Contact us at Naomic, and that's www.naomc.org, and we will show you a process that will get you there because most of us in this organization have been in the coaching, consulting, or training industries for at least 20 years. I know I have 31 years uh, myself at it. And so we know a lot about how to make that transition. And what I'll say to you on that topic before I talk to my uh, fellow consultants uh, is simply this, is that you will learn what we know. The question is, is whether you'll learn it from us um, or you'll learn it from, um, from the experience of, hard, of, of the hard knocks of life. And if you're getting into this business uh, in your late 40s or early 50s, you quite frankly don't have the time. The second thing about the National Association of Management Consultants I want to speak to is for those of you who are in existing consulting, training, and coaching firms, whether it's your small operation yourself or it is a, a, it is a large organization, um, is that what we've done with Naomi is that we are gathering all of the best practices that we can find and putting them into our toolbox. And so why would you want to join if you were part of this population? Well, the reason you would want to join is that um, no matter who you are, unless unless you work for a large firm and you're not, that would not be part of our client base, is that you only have so much reach, so much ability within the firm. Um, you know, you may be an expert at a piece of HR, or maybe all of HR, but if it gets into processes, uh, what do you do? 
And so what a lot of us do is we say, yeah, we can do the work because we don't turn it down, and then we scramble to figure it out. We don't do very good work, and not only does that cost us with the client on this one, it costs on the other business. And a lot of us have lost business because we did things we really shouldn't have been doing because we didn't know how. Why join Naomic? Well, when you join Naomic, here's two benefits of many. Number one is we've got a fairly extensive toolbox that's growing by the day. You're with an account. You've got an issue going on. It is beyond your area of expertise, but you don't want to turn down the work. We've got the tools. We've got the personnel. We've got the people who can help you keep that account and grow it and basically be totally transparent or totally opaque in terms of being in the background and letting that go. The second reason of many to join Naomi is this. That has to do with, okay, you have developed some tools over the years. How would you like to take those tools and instead of just you using those and selling them, how would you like to be able to use them and sell them um, throughout our entire network of associates? And that's how we're building our toolbox. And so if you've got some products that you've developed over the years or you have the ability to take intellectual property, knowledge, and turn it into products, we give you the opportunity uh, to do that as well. So I, I just want to say, check us out www.naomc.org. Um, our big uh, opening day on our website is going to be next Monday with all the features on there, and I'll talk to you about it. And then finally, let me speak to uh, my small business uh, entrepreneur manager population. And that is, as we talk about where we've gone with uh, operations, uh, so far what we've done is we've, we've given you an overview of operations, we talked about building a knowledge network. We talked about building processes that really become the standard, which is part of your competitive advantage. We talked about our last show was how do you how do you go into a kind of a continuous improvement regimen, okay, um, of reengineering the firm. Today we talked about um, how do you purchase the equipment, and tomorrow's show, tomorrow's show is going to be on preventive maintenance, and then, so do you. Fix it or service it, or is your choice run to destruction? So with that, I'd like to say thanks a lot for either listening to the show or downloading it. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And please, at the earliest opportunity, uh, check out uh, uh, the National Association of Management Consultants. Take care. Have a great business day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.